Welcome to episode 36 of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast. We've got a very special episode this week with our first returning guest. Uh, I'm Brent Hershey, of course, and always I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Blessing. How you doing, Chris? I'm surviving. Uh, day job, uh, assessment notices went out. I'm a property appraiser. It's been a pretty hectic week. Um, Ooh, not very yeah. popular. Not very popular in my own county right now. So um, just trying to keep a low profile. So uh, how was your week, Brent? Well, uh, my week was good. And, you know, on this podcast, Chris, you're very popular. Just so you know. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yes, I had a good week. Um, busy, as you said, mostly with Baseball HQ stuff. And because of that, uh, I wasn't able to make it out to the ballpark this week. And neither were you. So we had planned on uh, having a guest a few weeks ago, but uh, had to had to move it off to a to a scheduling conflict. Um, but this week, uh, our guest Jeremy Deloney, uh, Baseball HQ longtime Baseball HQ writer, um, agreed to join us. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, we uh, wanted him, I guess, about three or four weeks ago, and something just didn't really work out. So. Uh, Jeremy, welcome to the show this time. Uh, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for the invitation. This is uh, always fun to do. So I'm I'm doing well here in Michigan and looking forward to the conversation. That's cool. Our, our listeners know that I'm based in the Philadelphia area and Chris is based in Georgia. Um, in Michigan, what, uh, what leagues and teams do you get to see the most out there? Yeah, it's a great... Great place to be. Midwest League, high A ball. As you all know, Midwest League used to be low A. And right. now it's high A because of all the, the changes in the minor leagues over the past couple of years. So really a great place to be. So I have access to Great Lakes, which is an affiliate of the Dodgers. We've got West Michigan, which is right. Detroit. And then we've got Lansing, which is now with Oakland. So I like to see all kinds of different teams that, that flow through um, the area. And then I'm yeah. also close enough to Toledo to see the Mud Hens in the International League. And then, I, you know, luckily, I can travel for work and I try to schedule my work around going to baseball games. So that's always a, a nice thing to do when on the road, go visit a new stadium or. Yeah. Always. Fun. What's your. What's your uh, what's your favorite place to go? Uh, what's your favorite work trip because of uh, what it provides you baseball-wise? Well, I, I changed jobs recently, but I used to to travel to West Virginia. You know, I go to Ohio yeah. a lot, so I see a lot of yeah. Columbus Clippers. Dayton, that's where I lived for many, many years with the Dayton Dragons with with the yeah. with the with Reds, that's a great place to be. Uh, really, anything in the Midwest, any stadium yeah. that you could conceivably think of, I've I've been there. Just Very a lot cool. of good, I, good, good, good towns. Yeah, I have a question. Um, how uh, and Brent and I both have experienced this, um, given that our main focuses are high A now. It used to be low A. 
Uh, how have you seen, like, you know, maybe transitioning your scouting eye from uh, low A players to high A players? A great question. I, low A was was different because you'd see a lot of those kids, you know, transition from you know playing a year of, of short season a rookie ball, go into low A, and the pitching was was usually not very good. High A, obviously, you'd expect it to be better than it is. You see a lot of the, the the college pitchers, for example, this is where they get a sun. And so the pitching is much better. I think from a hitter standpoint, you see a lot of young kids, which I've been fortunate to see this year. But it's just a, a different brand of baseball. You see much better defense, much better pitching. Um, you know, obviously, you expect the same thing from, from high A to double A. I haven't seen many double A games just from the geography, but. Yeah, high A ball, I, I much appreciate the skill level, much more so than, than low A ball. I think I agree with that. Don't you agree, Brent? Yeah, I think so. so pretty much across the board. Yeah, I'm still getting used to that going to these stadiums that I'm used to seeing low A ball in and uh, getting back there. And, uh, yeah, the game is moving a little bit faster uh, now with uh, more advanced players in there. Yeah, I, I went to Florida last year and um, – everybody on the podcast knows uh, that it was a nightmare trip for me. I didn't get to see as many games, but uh, going down to uh, low A again, because Florida state league, which used to be high A it's now low A uh, was, it was such a vast difference. It was uh, a bigger difference than maybe low A to the old Appalachian league, the rookie ball or even complex ball that I've seen. Uh, so it was a, it was very eye opening how different, um, essentially the first full season league that guys get assigned to, to the second one. So um glad that all of us have kind of seen that. Um, so Jeremy's bringing some great names to this week's podcast. And the first name might be the biggest riser from the Midwest league this year. This prospect found himself on the HQ 100 last season after terrific U.S. debut and a meteoric climb up prospects list. Uh, it's safe to say he'll be on the midseason HQ 500, which I think three of us here are rankers. So um, that's that's going to be a, a great list that's going to be released later this month. And this guy, I, I, I do cover the Reds organization, is the top Reds prospect as we speak. Jeremy, what did you see from Eli De La Cruz in your recent look? Yeah, honestly, Chris, I'll give you credit. I didn't know much about him prior to this year. You were the one that really put him on the map in my eyes. I had heard of him, but really didn't know that much about him. So with, with your effusive praise of him really got me looking. It was, you know, obviously he was on the HQ 100. And, you know, talking to scouts, talking to people within the game. I mean, I don't think there was really many bad things to say about him. So. Going into this game, it was it was pretty exciting because I hadn't seen him live, and I think the first, first, he had a terrible game. Statistically, he was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. So I'm not going to sit here and, and bash the guy for a bad game, but he's one of those players that when you walk into the stadium and you just look around, he stands out. He's huge, six five. I would say he's probably taller than that. But he's listed at 6'5", I think 200. Looks a little bit bigger than that, but he's long, he's lean, 
He's extraordinary athlete, extraordinarily athletic. So he just stands out physically. He does not look like a 20-year-old. So from an offensive standpoint, his at-bats weren't good. I, I can't sugarcoat it. They weren't good. He he swung at breaking balls out of the strike zone. He seemed to pull his head off of the ball. It, it wasn't impressive. Uh, he didn't make much contact either. He struck out three times against actually a pitcher I kind of grew fond of. But so, but you could tell he's all there athletically. He runs really well. He's got natural actions on defense. He didn't have many plays at shortstop, but he moves really well. He's got a cannon for an arm. But again, he's the one that looks the part. The, the kid's is 20 years old and in high A ball. And I looked at his numbers this morning. I think he's hit two home runs in two of the last three games. So he's now up to 20 home runs, 26 stolen bases, and he's hitting over 300. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what level you're on. That's pretty darn good. So uh, <laughs> he's impressive, but obviously he didn't have a good game. Yeah, that's interesting. Um it, you know, I, I I learned about him actually from Arizona contacts. Um, that was that was primarily that, and also uh, former baseball prospectus writer Keenan Lamb, who I talked to a lot last year, is now a scout um, for an organization. He it was based out of Daytona and got to see De La Cruz just absolutely light it up last year. So. Um, one of the things that was um, – did, did you get to see batting practice by chance? I, I, well, I was with my family, so they like to show up at game time, so I didn't get to see it. No. <laughs> I hear you. I, I'll be honest. I don't like showing up uh, early either these days, <laughs> especially especially here in the heat. It's just not worth it. But um, So one of the things that um, – one of the calling cards that you pointed out and kind of want to go into a little bit more – uh, is uh, how he didn't look good in certain at bats, the certain at bats that you saw. Um, one of the um, one of the concerns, I guess, with his profile. And again, this is a guy. And once they start, once somebody fails, then you start usually seeing some sort of response to that. Unless you're somebody, um, somebody like Michael Harris II, who seemed to just figure it out as it went along. But Michael Harris II started out as a very extremely aggressive hitter, a uh, guy that would extend the um, strike zone. And we haven't seen that in the major leagues. We actually haven't seen that at all this year, uh, including my double-A looks. Um, this is a guy that's producing uh, his slash line uh, coming into the day, 303, 359, 613. Uh, how concerned are you with the aggressiveness, uh, you know, him essentially uh, being outclassed um, in his, in your look? Yeah, I, I can't say that I'd be all that concerned. I mean, again, he's 20 years old. I think the pitcher was, was 22, uh, Rodney Boone uh, for Lake County, but I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Again, you have that statistical profile as a 20-year-old, and he's got long arms. He's got a long swing. So I think he'll adapt to it. I think really what what was interesting when you look at making adjustments as a hitter, the plan against him was consistent from at least the starting pitcher for the first three at-bats. It was breaking ball, breaking ball, and they beat him upstairs um, with a fastball. So he didn't seem to make adjustments, but again, he's 20 years old, but the swing, 
it's a little handsy. I'd like to see it calm down a little bit. But again, I, I it's hard to quibble with a guy hitting over 300 with 20 home runs uh, at that level. So, and, and you also saw him, you know, you mentioned the advanced arm, uh, Rodney Boone, uh, who's an eighth rounder out of the UC Santa Barbara. Uh, and, and a really good barometer for a lot of the prospects, both in that I've been scouting uh, via video um, in the Eastern League and those uh, being scouted in other divisions, is uh, it, it seems like Cleveland, which is where Rodney Boone was, uh, is out of, it seems like their farm system tends to have more advanced arms. Um, and so it's a good barometer to show uh, you know, essentially weaknesses. We used, uh, uh, we did a the segment on Francisco Alvarez, who just got called up to the AAA by the Mets. Um, and I, I watched him specifically against Akron uh, because I knew the quality of pitching that he was going to face. I knew that it would be game planned and I knew it would have been game planned against him because of how that organization seems to have worked. I mean, we, we could do the same thing down here with Tampa. Uh, they have a it's just different, if that makes sense. So um, I'm not too concerned. Obviously, uh, I, I'm about to push him up my prospect list pretty high. Um, do you have any final thoughts? How about a player rating or something like that for uh, Mr. Cruz? De La Cruz, I should say. Yeah, I think we at HQ rated him uh, 9D. I'd probably go 9C. I think he's clearly a, a top 25 prospect. Just Again, tools of plenty. I mean, I I remember watching O'Neill Cruz when he was actually in Low A when he was in the Dodgers organization. There's a lot of similarities there. Cruz has gotten bigger. I would expect De La Cruz to get bigger too. I, I like O'Neill Cruz better, but I mean, this is this is a, a really strong prospect here. He's going to do really yeah. really well. Yeah, it's always it's always interesting to, like you said, sort of keep in mind, you know, a couple things when you just get these one game looks that aren't uh, on the surface kind of um, exciting, and that's kind of age to level as well as kind of the competition uh, that he's facing that evening. So, yeah, really some really good stuff on uh, on De La Cruz there for us. I know you also were interested uh, in. A, uh, the second guy you were bringing to us is a shortstop in the Reds organization. Uh, Jose Torres um, was a third-round pick uh, just last year in the 2021 draft out of North Carolina State. So, uh, you know, a, a college hitter, as uh, as you had mentioned. Um, what did you see? What did you like? Uh, what does Torres still have to work on? Yeah, I, I really liked him in college. I watched him a few times college at NC State. Very polished defender, really good defender. And he played second the day that I saw him in, in the deference to De La Cruz. He played it short. But again, a very solid fundamental player. You could tell he's got good baseball instincts, good arm, quick hands. I mean, defensively, I think he could play at any level right now. He's that good. I don't think he's, I wouldn't call him gold glove material, but he's above average uh, with the glove. Good hitter too. Uh, he's got he's got more leverage in a swing than he did in college. So I don't know if that's by design, if the Reds hitting coaches got to him, but I see this guy hitting 
if he if he can make it 15 potentially 20 home runs he's got natural strength it, it's a good prospect not an elite prospect again i think we were assigned a, a grade to it i think we we scored him a 7e last year i'd probably bump him up to a 7c i like him a lot i was really really surprised again he didn't have a standout game with the bats but defensively he can play second he can play short but i think he's going to hit more than I mean, again, his statistical profile is almost the opposite of Dale Curtis. He's only uh, 200, but yeah. he's got good speed. So I, I, I like him. Yeah. Um, what kind of, I mean, I do see kind of you know, 58 strikeouts in 65 games. What kind of uh, back of ball skills did you see in your short look? Good. Uh, again, he's got a short stroke, two strikes, shortens it up, clean. Good mechanics. Yeah, not not a guy that you're going to call plus power, not a guy with a great hit tool, but I think he's going to do enough to hold his own. Yeah. And do you, I mean, do you kind of, you kind of project him as a, as a sort of starting shortstop at the major league level, or is it more kind of a bounce around utility guy? Um, yeah, I'd keep him with that seven label. To me, a seven is, is he could profile as a starter. Uh, and I'm trying to think of a good comp for him. I really can't. But I, he can play short. He can play second. I think he's going to be able to hit at either. But I think the glove work is what's really going to get him to the majors. Yeah. Yeah, and certainly uh, also the – I mean, I see just two in the statistical profile, 19, 19 steals in 21 attempts. Um, so that's kind of a – for us, that's a fantasy-friendly uh, – line to keep in mind too there's some as you mentioned some speed as a part of his game did you possibly did you possibly see him as a left-handed hitter or right-handed hitter he was a righty okay so that i mean it it looks statistically and also you know from my own recollection of looking at him last year he was a much better right-handed hitter um it's always it's always it's always difficult to to scout um switch hitters um I, I find difficulty how about you yeah i mean going back to de la cruz I mean, he he was mostly from the right side but he his last at bat he was on the left i know statistically he's better from the left uh, again that was i like to swing better from the left side it was cleaner uh, but yeah i it, it's hard um unless you're really you've got you're just watching videotape for a while to really differentiate between the swings in game. But uh, I know statistically from the right-hand side, De La Cruz isn't as strong. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That's uh, Jose Torres in the Reds organization. Uh, we're going to jump to one more guy and then ask, uh, we'll ask uh, Jeremy about some uh, other guys that he saw during this look. Um, but uh, Angel Martinez is another switch hitter. Uh, he comes from the Guardians organization, and he was a guy that actually one of our writers last year covered in the, um, I almost said the Appalachian League, but I meant the Carolina League, which is low A. Um, and that, um, it was Tanner. Tanner, one of our writers, uh, got him last year. And that's Angel Martinez, uh, shortstop. Um, what did you think about Martinez in your uh, brief look? Yeah, again, I think this is another guy that I really didn't have on the map. I know that we had ranked him, I think, 12th 
in the Cleveland organization in the off season. But again, I hadn't really heard a lot about him. Hadn't really seen a whole lot. Um, I know we gave him an AB rating. Uh, he's 20 years old. Again, similar to Dale Cruz. I will be the first to admit that, and I see a lot of the, the Guardians' prospects over the years go to Lake County quite a bit, and again, their affiliate comes up here to Michigan quite a few times. I've never been a huge fan. Again, I raise my hand and say I was not a big Jose Ramirez fan back in the day. Um, don't go leafing through old minor league baseball analysts. You'll see that I assigned him a six <laughs> uh, one year, but. I've never been a huge fan of a lot of their prospects, but this is a guy that I, I, I was really impressed with. He, I know it's cliched, but he plays a lot older than his age. He doesn't appear to be a twenty-year-old. He's just—he's got a very mature game. He plays shortstop. Uh, I know, looking at his profile, he plays second. He plays third, mostly shortstop. Just. Again, there's people that you see when you go to so many baseball games that look the part, and he does. He's just got these natural movements, quick hands, quick feet, his positioning. There's just there's just something about him. He's a really good defender. He batted leadoff. Again, didn't get a hit, but he made the pitcher work. It was Christian Roa for Dayton, Reds pitcher. He made him work. He works counts. Really strong plate discipline, knows the strike zone really well, and he's strong. You wouldn't note it from just looking at his body type. He's about six foot, maybe 160, 170 at most, but he's naturally strong. He's got a good whippy bat. I think this is a guy, again, and get 15 to 20 home runs. Again, we look at fantasy profiles. This is a guy I think that's going to hit for you know, a moderately high average. He's going to have, you know, again, 15 potentially more home runs and 15 plus stolen bases. I, again, I didn't know much about this guy going in, but I can tell you he's definitely on on my radar. I wouldn't call him a, an HQ 100 guy quite yet. Yeah. But boy, if he finishes the year strong, you know, he's going to go play double A next year as a 21 year old. Wow. That, that's pretty impressive. So, like, the reports last year on him, um, you know, the the stat line, which was 241, 319, 382, were not consistent with what the scouts were saying about him. They were saying that he was, uh, you know, hitting the ball with authority. I, I, I remember when I was writing him up, I did see some uh, good numbers with the exit uh, velocity um, off the bat. Um, but I, I think one of the big things that you pointed out was – how he looked poised and I, I'm, you know, it looked like he belonged. And what's funny is he belongs. He's one of those bloodline guys, as we know, uh, a former big league catcher, Sandy Martinez is his uh, dad, um, which I, uh, he played for the Cubs, played for a few other teams. I don't know why I only remember him on the Cubs, um, but I, I think that's the WGN um <laughs> WGN, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, when you live in Arizona and there's no baseball team until the D-backs uh, come out, you just watch whatever baseball there is. So, um, so it's a bloodlines guy. Um, does that sort of thing, and I, I'm, you know, this could be a good question for Brent too. Does does bloodlines ever come into your evaluation? Maybe you give a guy maybe a 
uh, a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt because he um, has been around the game his whole life? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think you're actually going to see that in the draft this year. Boy, a lot of a lot of bloodline there uh, coming up to the draft next week. But yeah, honestly, I didn't know that about Angel Martinez. Um, but he, again, there's there's certain instincts that I say this in my everyday life that, at my job is there are certain people that just have those natural instincts, and other people that don't. It doesn't. It's not a strike three if you don't have the instincts, but boy, it certainly helps. It helps things to, you know, your, your tools play up as a result. Again, a leadoff hitter at 20 years old and high A ball. And again, Chris, you mentioned that statistical profile from last year. I'm just amazed at how different it is to this year. Something must have clicked. You're at a higher level and significantly better performance. And that's not a fluke. Um, everything you look at, it's got eight home runs, eight stolen bases good walk to strikeout ratio. He gets on base consistently. Can you add the defense? How much of that is bloodlines? It's got to count for something. They usually have nicer equipment, at least that I've seen with bloodlines in the minor league. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. No, I, yeah. And I would, I would agree too. I mean, and it's just what you said, Chris, kind of, uh, you know, it gives, I, I think about it in terms of kind of giving the player the benefit of the doubt um, that they've been around the game like that. They kind of know, you know, that it becomes second nature, the instincts, as Jeremy said, uh, I just think it just gives players like that uh, a leg up, uh, no matter kind of where they're all, where they're at kind of on the, on the skill level. Um, so I think that's a good point to, to bring up. Yeah. I, I, and same here too. I, I've tried to dismiss it at times, uh, but you know, going through the game, even, even like bloodline guys of dudes that, aren't going to make it, especially like on the college level and the prep level, because it seems like everybody here in the state of Georgia uh, that used to be a uh, that's a prospect these days is a former uh, uh, is a son of a former major leaguer. Uh, Drew Jones, uh, Cam Collier um, are the two big ones coming out of the state this year. Two of the three big guys coming out of the state this year. Yeah. uh, You know, are there any other players from that Guardians? kind of high A affiliate. Uh, we know that they've, we've talked about in the, on the podcast here, how well they've drafted and, and developed guys. Um, just curious if there's a few others that uh, may have stood out to you just in, uh, you know, in a, in a short, in a short uh, bit. Yeah, there, there are two guys in the everyday lineup that I, I would label as interesting. You know, that I guess you'd put on the radar. Think of all the That's a good word. <laughs> on a minor team, you know, the rosters are, are huge. But, you know, there were two that, you know, were, were pretty interesting. You know, Petey Halpin, an outfielder, and then another bloodline, Milan Tolentino. Uh, he played second base. And Halpin is interesting. He, I, I don't see much power in that bat, but the guy can fly. He plays a really good center field. Strong arm. Again, he, I guess he, he's similar to some of those other outfielders that the, the, the Guardians have in today's game. You know, guys that aren't great but have serviceable tools. I think yeah, he's 20 years old. He could grow. He, he, he needs to add strength. He's, he's very thin, but he's got a good bat. I could see this guy hitting for average maybe 
10 home runs, but I could see him stealing quite a few bases, but plays a really good center field. Again, the other guy, um, Milan Talentino, he was a fourth rounder. Halpin was a third rounder in 2020. They're both 20 years old. So again, they're playing above their age. Talentino, I didn't like as much as Halpin, but again, I like his versatility. Again, good. Similar to what some of the things I said about Martinez, he's got good instincts, good defensive fundamentals. He played second base, didn't love the bat, but again, looking at his numbers, he's sitting over 300 for the year. Got a good clean swing. Again, I don't see a whole lot of power coming out now, nor down the line, but again, Cleveland likes those versatile guys, and I think both of those guys fit the bill. Great. Yeah, thanks for um, for that, and you know, we're always fantasy players always interested and looking for uh, those speed guys. And uh, especially as you say, with uh, helping, it's just going to, just going to be, uh, you know, the question of, of uh, being able to hit enough, get on base enough. Um, sounds like the defensive skills are there to kind of make that difference. So uh, thanks so much for uh, wrapping us up with those five or so players um, from an area of the country that Chris and I aren't able to get to. Um, nope. very much, very much, uh, thanks for that. And hopefully we, uh, Chris and I, maybe we'll see some of these guys, uh, as they, as these players continue to move up, uh, move up the ladder. So to speak. Someday, someday we yeah. can hope. Hey, eyes have it listeners. Patrick Davitt here from the baseball HQ radio podcast. This week's pod is another great Friday full edition featuring an expert interview with Fred Zinke. From Yahoo Sports and the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, discussing how to trade more effectively by targeting the other managers in your league and not just targeting the players. He'll also talk about his teams and leagues in the year to date, what we might learn from Italian Breakfast, Paul Goldschmidt, and Julio Rodriguez, when to cut an injured star like Bryce Harper, and he'll have his boons and banes. Plus, we'll have all the usual great stuff our National League and American League news analysis, and our Baseball HQ commentaries. That's Fred Zinke, available now on this week's Friday Full Edition of the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio, and I sure hope you'll join us. The Futures game is upon us this coming Saturday night, live from Los Angeles. Brent will be flying out to L.A. this week and covering the game for us, along with another... uh, BHQ veteran Jock Thompson. Brent, are you excited about this? Uh, of course. This is one of the uh, funnest trips of the year. I've been able to, uh, fortunate enough to be able to do this for the past several years. And uh, you've been, we've done it together also, Chris, you and I, um, at different points. Um, but it's, uh, you know, the Futures game is just a great way to, um, to get all, all the get a lot of these top prospects kind of together in uh, in one space. I wish I wish the game were more than seven innings. I don't know why uh, they feel it's necessary to cut the game down to seven innings, but um, makes no sense. You know, it makes no sense. But it's always fun to uh, be there early, um, see all the all the hitters go through batting practice, um, and then of course take in the game. And, you know, like everything, it's just kind of one look, but it's a, uh, yeah, it's just a great event to kind of be at and see some of these uh, players uh, up close and, and personal. So it's a long way of saying, yes, I'm very excited about uh, the future <laughs> game. 
Yeah, I, I, I hate that I'm missing it. I've, I've got a, uh, my third job work uh, um, issue, um, not issue, work trip for my third job because, of course, I have like four jobs right now. So, yeah. um, it's, it's, and it unfortunately falls on the, at the same time as the All-Star break this year. Uh, since we'll be covering the game next week on the podcast, which will make my life a lot easier, uh, we figured we'd preview the game this week. Uh, we, we asked Jeremy to, to um, play along with us, so we each picked two guys we're most looking forward to seeing in the future game. And so we're going to make Jeremy uh, pick his two guys and, and give a little thoughts on them. And, um, you know, some of these guys are familiar to the, our listeners. So, uh, Jeremy, uh, who are your two guys? All right, I'll start things off. That's that's great. Uh, you know, first guy, Orioles prospect. And I, I I pick my guys, guys that I haven't seen live, and so I wanted to. I'm really interested in seeing them in a, in a live game experience on TV, different than what Brett's going to experience, of course, live. But gee, let, let's look at the Orioles roster right now. If anyone noticed, they're a game under 500. Incredible. <laughs> they they don't have. Uh, any this player, Gunnar Henderson, he has no obstacles at third base or shortstop at the major league level. He's currently in AAA, just tearing it up. Double AA, A, Triple A. Stats look great. The scouts love the guy. I think we all know why he's not in the majors right now. But uh, someone with that kind of profile, a scout's dream, a statistical dream. I want to see this guy, and I want to see him against other players of his skill level. So that to me is one that stood out when going through this exercise. I was just going to say, uh, as, as someone that has seen, has seen him a couple of times, uh, yes, it's, it's worth it. And, uh, it'll be, uh, be interested to hear your, uh, feedback, uh, when, when you see him, uh, but he's, uh, he's certainly, yes, an exciting, exciting prospect. I think going to be a, an Oriole fixture for quite a long time. And then my National League guy, and I'm hoping that he's playing, because it's a similar situation to Henderson, uh, Ezekiel Tovar for the Rockies, currently in double A. I know he's injured. There's a chance he's not going to play. But again, he's got that runway to get to the majors potentially later this year. And so, I mean, you talk about a defensive whiz. You know, I'm talking earlier about Jose Torres looking really good. Um, Angel Martinez being a strong defensive player, Milan Tolentino being a strong defensive player. Tovar has them beat with his defensive skills, but you add on that offensive game, add on Coors Field. This is a guy that I want to see. I want to see in the Rockies lineup. I want to see what kind of numbers he can put up. So I, those two guys, to me, when I settle in on that Saturday night, um, I'm hoping to see both. Get a couple of the bats. Hey Brent, how about your two guys? Sure, yeah. Um, again, as as uh, I mentioned here and other places, I always enjoy to seeing these uh, players in person that I haven't seen before, and that means oftentimes they're kind of from West Coast organizations because uh, there's there's few kind of West Coast affiliates here in the East. And the first guy uh, that I am interested in seeing is Zach Bean. Uh, also from Colorado, uh, outfielder, number nine pick in the 2020 draft. Um, having just a fantastic year at high A, Spokane, uh, hitting 275 with a 375 on base, 10 home runs, and another guy that's just tearing it up on the bases, uh, 35 steals and been only caught twice so far in this half a season. 
I think one of the most exciting things for him is that, you know, his uh, strikeout rate has dropped from uh, 26% down to 21% uh, from last year um, to this year. And um, yeah, just, you know, you hear the reports and watch the video and it just sounds like a fantasy, you know, fantasy monster kind of thing. So I'm interested in seeing him. Um, I do know I, we always, you know, keep in mind the organization that is developing him and the Rockies have uh, not always been <laughs> the model organization that way. Um, but I'm just really interested in, in seeing this kind of, you know, six, four, uh, 200 pound, uh, you know, athletic, uh, outfielder, uh, in Zach Veen. The uh, second guy, uh, is a pitcher and that's, uh, Ricky Tiedemann, um, for, from the, uh, Blue Jays, uh, third rounder in 2021. Um, he's a 19-year-old. Again, you're talking about age to level. He's a 19-year-old and also tearing it up in that high A Midwest League in Vancouver. Um, 103 strikeouts in 67 and two thirds innings, 14 in that's 14 starts, um, which works out to about a 13.7 K per nine, um, holding opponents to a 150 batting average. Um, you know, a three pitch guy. Um, you know, it's always tricky to kind of check out pitchers in the futures game, uh, like this because you know, it's just almost always just one inning, so it's a short burst. Um, but I think, you know, for a player like that, you know, he has a big, durable kind of MLB starter frame, 6'4", 200. You know, I want to watch how his arm works, how his opposing batters kind of react to his stuff. The, you know, mostly be older guys, uh, how he moves off the mound, what his pitches are like. Um, so I think, you know, uh, Tiedemann, I think both Tiedemann and Veen have a pretty good shot at uh, and ending up in double A here very soon. Um, which, which could bring him to the Eastern League out here. Uh, so I may get to see them uh, in longer stints later on, just depending how the schedules work out, if that's the case. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Bean and Tiedemann are two, are my two guys. Chris, how about you? Oh, I'm, I'm totally excited, uh, to be watching, uh, Jackson Chirio of the Milwaukee Brewers, who's currently yeah. an 18 year old absolutely dominating with some swing and miss issues the uh carolina league um he's uh slashing 321 373 603 that's a 976 ops he has uh 12 home runs uh which is um pretty amazing given that he's it's 56 games and and he's also has a ton of extra base hits total 35 extra base hits in that 56 game sample so uh this is a guy that's hitting the ball hard um there is some aggressiveness there uh it's a very uh quick whippy swing um he's kind of outperforming what he should be doing right now um given the aggressiveness but whenever he hits the ball it's seemingly hard contact every time uh center fielder has the speed is plus uh plus speed um probably going to profile in center field even if it's average uh average defense at the end of the day he'll probably profile there because he is a good athlete um unfortunately he doesn't have the arm for right field so he would probably have to move over to left field if center field does not work out 
Um, and then the second guy that I'm looking forward to is an old friend of mine. And I say an old friend of mine because I haven't uh, actually seen him in person since 2018 when he was playing for a prep school here in the state of Georgia. Um, and his name is Taj Bradley. He's a right-handed pitcher. And I, I've talked about him a little bit on this on this podcast, but he was a guy that I tried to recommend to the team that I was helping out at that time uh, to try to get him drafted by them. And, um, you know, I wasn't working. I wasn't helping out the race. So it wasn't the race. So, um, <laughs> but again, he, he was a guy that was fairly new to pitching at that point in time. And he was, uh, um, the Braves saw something obviously and had him uh, taken in the fifth round and he's done nothing the last two years. And, than just mature. Um, he used to be fastball, curveball, changeup. Now he's mostly fastball, slider, changeup. Uh, it looks like three uh, average, above average, or better pitches. Um, so, like, we're talking about a guy with three major league um, caliber um, tools in his arsenal of pitches. Uh, and I, I just really just want to see him against the best of the best. Um, and this year I've watched some video on him. Uh, you know, I, I covered him a little bit when I was scouting some of the Milwaukee Brewers double A prospects on video uh, because I consider him one of the better pitchers in the Southern League this year. And unfortunately, I won't get to see him till later in the year, which he could possibly be in triple A. So this may be my only chance to see him. So that's just six of the, what, 50 guys that are yeah. on either of these rosters. So, again, tune in. It's 7 o'clock on Saturday. I guess it's on the MLB Network. Am I right about that? Um, uh, I think so. Yeah. Well, well, we'll say MLB Network. They're not paying us, so it could be ESPN. Who knows? Anyway, uh, Brent. Um, and, and Jeremy, what, what do you have on tap uh, coming up? A lot of Midwest League action coming up. Brent, you were talking about uh, Tiedemann. And yeah. Lansing in my area used to be a Blue Jays affiliate. I loved it. I'm not a Blue Jays fan per se, but I always loved that low A. They always had really good prospects. I could name a ton of really good prospects I've seen at that level, uh, yeah. including you know, Vlad and, and Bichette and a guy like Ada Lopez. But you know, they switched to Oakland a couple of years ago, and it kind of broke my heart. Um, but Oakland has some good prospects in Lansing that uh, I'm excited to see. Tyler Soderstrom, you know, oh, yeah. their first round. Uh, he's there playing catcher, um, really good hitter, natural hitter. I don't think he's ever going to end up his career as a catcher, but he's there. Denzel Clark, another highly thought of prospect, is there. Um, Lawrence Butler. Big, strong guy. He's there, and a couple of again other intriguing arms. So I'm I'm looking forward to, to visiting Lansing and Great Lakes. You guys both know if, if you're trying to time up your visits by the pitching rotation, it's almost yeah. impossible. So if you want to <laughs> see a specific yeah. starting pitcher, it's almost like you have to wait for the day of the game and then decide if you're going to go or not. But Great Lakes, again, a Dodgers affiliate. I was fortunate last year to see Bobby Miller. Um, right. Wow. I'm still just so impressed. He's playing in the Futures game too, I believe. Yeah. But Great Lakes is a guy this year. Um, Nick Nestrini out of UCLA. And if you just look at his numbers, I think 90 plus strikeouts and 57 or so innings. Um, 
has some control and command issues, but he's a guy I've just been dying to see. And I'm going to get the timing right one of these days and I will see him pitch and I will certainly write a report on him because he's very highly thought of. He had a horrible year in college last year, but was still, I believe, a fourth round pick. But he's got an incredible arm, so I'm I'm really excited. Plus, when you're an arm in the Dodgers organization, as you all know, yeah, you've got right. a chance. So. Yep. Yeah, I was going to mention uh, Bobby Miller. Remember in our discussion from last year when you uh, when you brought that look, one of the first ones uh, for us. That was uh, that was a good that was a good time. Uh, this week for me, I have uh, one of these. Uh, I think I have a doubleheader day actually. Uh, oh wow! Where on on Wednesday, uh, Akron is playing at Bowie. Um, so Guardians uh, and Orioles Double A prospects, and and there's some decent ones across uh, both organizations there. Uh, and then pretty much on the way home, uh, I go right by the Aberdeen Stadium, which is uh, High A Orioles. Of course, I've been there some, and they're playing Jersey Shore, which is the Phillies org. Organization. So I think I'm going to do a double dip that day and uh, take in uh, those four different clubs. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, there'll be some uh, there'll be some good stuff. Chris, what about you? I'll be working a game on Tuesday. I'm going to go see the Rays High A affiliate for the fourth time this year, uh, <laughs> Bowling Green. Uh, and I'll get another look at all their good prospects, of course. Uh, Kyle Manzardo is the biggest hitting prospect name there. Uh, but really, I'm going there to see uh, Alika Williams, who got hurt in, I think, the second AB of my first look. And then I'm going to be off uh, for the next two weeks uh, going to the ballpark um, due to first job and third job. Um, yeah, real life, right? <laughs> commitments. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to uh, the Futures game, just like you are. Um I'll just be hopefully watching it at a work conference as opposed to at Dodger Stadium. Yes, uh, we'll have uh, we'll have some good uh, we'll have some good material for the podcast next week. Between that, um, I will also be uh, attending the MLB draft like I did last year too. That's the uh, you know uh, there's not a whole lot uh, there's not a whole lot of scouting going on there, but it's uh, it's kind of a, a fun little thing to to just uh, be at and kind of be in person uh, part of, and that's happening on Sunday also. I think that about uh, wraps it up for this uh, episode. It was a good one. Uh, Jeremy, again, thank you from the uh, from Chris and I for yes. dropping by and um, certainly giving, giving uh, info and chatting back and forth about some of these Midwest prospects. A lot of fun. I appreciate the invitation and the opportunity to talk with you fine gentlemen. Sure. And we'll <laughs> We'll, I don't know about gentlemen, but we'll do that yeah, again. Yeah, that's what uh, I left. We'll, we'll do that again soon. Uh, for the listeners, thanks for uh, taking in uh, this journey on the Eyes Have It podcast. You can contact us. We'd love to have listener questions for a future show. You can contact us via email at theeyeshaveit at baseballhu.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Chris is at C underscore blessing, and you can find me at Brent HQ. Uh, also remember to subscribe to us if you haven't yet, and we would very much appreciate a uh, positive uh, review and or rating uh, if your heart would be so kind. Uh, Chris <laughs> and uh, Jeremy, till next time, uh, we will see you soon. 